welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. So today I want you to meet Charlotte, a nurse for over 10 years working with mental illness across the United States, who is now a holistic health coach, passionate about using yoga, meditation, visualization and Reiki to support her clients in a way that she just couldn't do in her previous role. So Charlotte, can you outline what it was that you thought was so missing in the system you found yourself working within? And what it was that really forced you to change your whole approach? Yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, I think I had a really unique kind of clinical background that I was able to bring into my clinical decision making. So I trained in New York City and San Francisco. So two major hospital systems that I worked in um, on kind of opposite coasts of the United States. And I've also done a lot of work abroad. So I've worked um, in Greece, Myanmar, Bangladesh, Honduras, Peru. And it really gave me this kind of, again, this, this very all-encompassing look at different healthcare systems, at different ways that different cultures looked at integrative healthcare, mental health, what have you. And so, you know, I did my nursing degree at NYU, um, worked there, and then did my master's at University of California, San Francisco. And then when I went abroad, you know, my initial goal was to go for like a year, get some clinical experience, and then come back to the U.S. and go back to my normal nine-to-five office job. One year of traveling became five years of traveling, and as it sometimes does. And in that, you know, I think about six months in, I kind of made the decision that I was never going to go back to a normal, quote unquote, clinic job. Um, I just, it felt as though, at least in the American system in which I worked, it was heavily pharmaceutical based. And particularly in mental health care, it felt a lot like we were just throwing selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs, things like Prozac, at the wall and just seeing if they stuck and that there wasn't really a lot of other modalities that we were bringing to kind of augment that and and help our patients. And I'm also personally someone who has anxiety and who had also experienced the American healthcare system on the flip side as a consumer and as a patient. And so, you know, I think kind of coming to that realization that I felt like the way that we handled and managed mental health care was very myopic and very one track um, in terms of pharmaceuticals. I think that was the point that I kind of said, you know what, enough. I'm not going back to a regular nine to five job. And I also want to start looking at all of these complementary and alternative measures, things like mindfulness, things like mindset work, visualization, um, supplements, you know, all of these things that I had basically been told in my training was kind of hocus pocus and was stuff that should kind of be like put off to the side. And I really witnessed my own healing once I implemented these integrative practices into my own care. And, you know, that just really propelled me forward even more with like more vigor uh, to move into a place where I was providing this to patients. So I feel so much resonance in, in our, in in our journeys, you know, from, you know, this um, experience of um, our own personal struggles, our experience with travel and just being able to experience and be exposed to different perspectives on how 
the body and illness is viewed to then really allow us to question, you know, our own um, presumptions and um, prejudices, perhaps, that we had unknowingly um, internalized. And then I guess, you know, there comes a point where when you experience it yourself as the patient, you sort of really start to understand where perhaps our approach is falling short and really want to promote and advocate a, a different way. So I really hear so much resonance. And I'm just really curious. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling me about, you know, all, all of these different healing modalities that you use and you tried in your own personal experience. What do you think, if you can really sum up, is what they're driving, driving us toward? Is, is there a thread? Can you expand on that? Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that the overarching umbrella of most of the coaching work that I do. So just to back up a little bit. So, you know, I had kind of clinic jobs working as a nurse practitioner, felt like I wasn't able to bring a lot of these integrative practices. So again, mind body connection practices, mindfulness, guided imagery or visualization is another word for that. Um, you know, Reiki or energy work, all of these things. And I'll go into them a little bit more in detail in a second, but I really felt like there wasn't space in my Western model clinical practice to bring those in. And so I took sort of a hard left in 2020 and started doing holistic health coaching. And my holistic health coaching, I'm a certified health coach, but it also draws on a lot of data that's coming out of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which is based out of the United States. I did a training with them in 2017 that really kind of blew my mind, so to speak. Um, they've got a lot of research that they've been putting out. And I believe, I'll double check this, there's over 200 evidence-based um, clinical reviews of this model that they utilize, bringing mind-body skills groups, um, eight-week skills groups to patients. These are weekly groups that are about two hours long that include a community aspect with like a very intense check-in and kind of a support process. But then also each session has a didactic portion where you talk about a different mind-body skill. So things, again, different types of meditation being one of the week's activities. Um, mindful eating and the importance of nutrition in our, right, in our mind-body health, our mental health, and that mind-body connection. You know, so different kind of themes for each week. But the overarching work, everything that I do, the main point is to re-strengthen that connection that we have between the mind and the body. I think in our Western world, particularly in our healthcare system, ironically, we have been taught to completely dissociate and disconnect oftentimes from what's happening in our bodies. And our bodies are unbelievable bases of wisdom. Um, you know, you're asking for a couple of different like key points that I talk about. One thing I talk about all the time is the brain-gut connection or the mind-gut connection, the importance of our GI system on our mental health. We produce neurotransmitters that are important for brain development and mood in the gut. Um, you know, and that's a really important thing that a lot of times people are like, wait, I've got a second brain that exists in my gut that's just as important, right, as the mind brain that we've been taught is kind of the thing running the show. So again, reconnecting. And the other big piece I would say in my coaching work, it's helping to reconnect you with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions in real time and to be able to tag or name or identify or just observe 
what's happening in your body. So a practice that I love to do with clients is to ask when they're saying, you know, I'm feeling shame about this thing we're talking about, to ask Shame is something that oftentimes in our culture, we're taught to push away, push down and dissociate and get away from. But alternatively, where do you feel that sensation in your body? What does it feel like? Does it have a quality? Is it hot? Is it cold? Does it feel tingly or painful? And and doing that kind of work, that's basically what we're doing is we're embodying those emotions and we're starting to just bring more awareness to what's coming up in the body. So I would say that's kind of the overarching um, umbrella. Does that answer the question? Yes, it it does. I'm really hearing that um, all these practices are really allowing an opportunity for us to deeply get to know ourselves, um, get to know what our emotions actually feel like, um, mm-hmm. to learn to name them. And when we actually are able to process them, by being with them, naming them, speaking up from them, they are able to move through us rather than get stuck in us. And from mind-body research, but also from other health healthcare perspectives and practices um, that I think we've both experienced um, in Peru, South America, for example, it's very that's that's how dis-ease is formed within the body when we actually keep our emotions stuck or try to bury them as you're saying shame being an emotion that we um by its very nature want to hide want to ignore and healthcare systems or health systems or health beliefs in other parts of the world very much um highlights the destructive nature of actually doing this you know ignoring um ignoring these difficult emotions and so I'm really hearing that your work is helping us uh, process our emotions and and the importance of that not only in our mental health but also the implications of that on our physical health Absolutely. You know, I'd say that awareness is the first step to everything, right? And becoming aware of where we're at. So again, looking at holistic health coaching, if we think of medication as just one tiny slice of the pie that makes up our entire kind of mental health treatment plan, the different options we have to bring optimal wellness to our lives, I think the first step in any coaching or integrative healthcare work, I really do think it's just becoming aware of what the current state of affairs is, right? So what is your diet like? What is your stress management like? What is your sleep like? What are your relationships like? Um, looking at things, you know, that are maybe in some communities a bit taboo, but I think that are important as well. Looking at things like sexual health, looking at your physical health. Are you going to the doctor? Are you, you know, getting your annual checkups? All of those things. And I think when we first sit down together, That's really what we do. We get kind of a blueprint of where things are at now. And then we look at and we create a roadmap for change. Where would we like to go? And that's where guided imagery or visualization comes in. So where is the disconnect between where you are now and where you'd like to go in terms of your health? Because that's something that I do. I I love that you tagged on that, the different cultures and different places that you and I both have worked. I think in many other cultures, the idea of mindset And the idea that our mindset directly impacts the development of dis-ease or disease 
um, is something that, you know, in the Western model, we were so hyper individualistic. We oftentimes don't think that that's, that's the case. And so, yeah, coming back to this place of tagging where you are now, where you'd like to go in terms of your health goals. And then basically a lot of the work we do is connecting those two and saying, how do we get from here to here? How do we build you a toolbox of mental health tools that will help you feel supported as you move through creating a life that is more in alignment with where you see yourself. And again, at that's the point that we utilize different skills, you know, guided imagery being one of them, breath work um, being one of them, working through self-limiting beliefs and our stories. That's a big thing we do as well is talking about all of us have these subconscious operating system. I call them stories that sort of are running on autopilot in our subconscious and being able to identify those and work through those because I think again working through things that are hard rather than over them or under them I think that that's where we have these profound breakthroughs and again that that's where we can promote optimal wellness by moving through these things and and you're really getting to the root of what the problems actually are you know what is you know it is so often our subconscious self-beliefs that are driving our behaviors so it's going to then drive our habits um, and mm-hmm. then our habits are going to impact our choices and our choices are going to impact our you know our our lifestyle and our our lifestyle then impacts our um physical health you know it, it's 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 all interconnected it's all interlinked so actually by getting to the root of what's actually driving these decisions um and our behaviors and our um, our habits is just so important uh, I um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Bruce Lipton, um, but he is a fantastic molecular biologist who has a couple of good books that I'm reading right now, The Biology of Belief. And this idea that for the longest time we thought of that basically our genes dictated the environment and that our genetic blueprint was basically what we were born with. If it wasn't great, that was sort of that was what we got and that the environment didn't really have an effect on our genes. And in the biology of belief, really eloquently, and I'm only about halfway through it, but Bruce Lipton talks about how actually there's a bilateral exchange of information. And our, our environment profoundly impacts our genetic expression. And through that, that sounds like such like, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not somebody who's in biology, you're like, so who cares? Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. But the, the implications that that has are profound because what it basically says is that the way that we show up in our day-to-day world, the food we eat, the, com- the company that we keep, right, our relationships, the place that we live in, the amount of environmental exposure to toxins that we are surrounded by, that all of those things have just as much impact, if not more, than the actual DNA and the genetic kind of makeup that we were born with. And so again, I think it really, it turns the head on a lot of kind of the psychiatric idea that you are just a product of whatever your genetic makeup is. So, you know, again, I'll go back to a personal example because that's the easiest for me to relate to. As someone with anxiety, when I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, um, you know, in the 2000s, at that point, it was kind of like, oh, well, you have anxiety because that's what your genes say. So like here, take some medication because that will help fix the genetic abnormality, essentially, that is causing this anxiety. 
And the beautiful part of epigenetics or the idea that our environment has a direct impact on our genes is that all of the things that I do in my day-to-day life, I'm not deficient for having anxiety, that those things have a massive component to how my anxiety shows up and how well it's managed. So that by doing things like taking care of my gut, exercising, meditating, doing all of these things that have incredible bodies of evidence. We're just not hearing about them as much because they're not found funded by drug trials or drug money that I can profoundly impact my own mental health. And and therefore, again, you know, with anxiety, for example, that so many things we can do that are lifestyle based will have a profound impact on that diagnosis. So it's so much more empowering to frame mm-hmm. it in that way not only is it founded and and in some way acknowledged in our training like I remember reading you know I know that I've read in many a medical textbook the importance of environment and environmental mm-hmm. factors that impact impact our health however when it's framed with the importance that it really has um, that we actually have so much more control over the environment, not just because it's not, we're not just talking about our environment being, for example, like where we live and even necessarily the food we eat, but just the environment that we place within our own almost like I call it sort of an epigenetic soup like so as you say like you know through the relationships we have the thoughts that we want to invite in the thoughts that we decide to engage with and the thoughts that we don't decide to engage with all of these micro decisions that we make are creating internal environment um, that our genes then respond to Um, and it's these actually um, it's this which is so key and can be the difference between someone um, triggering a genetic predisposition that they may well have been born with to someone that doesn't Um, and we have a lot more control than I think we've ever been told or perhaps been aware of over these micro decisions Um, and it's this sort of thing that holistic health coaches really can support you in discovering um, and also feeling empowerment over and I really love to this is why I have holistic and also other coaches on the witchy women platform for example because it they really can support you making fundamental decisions which really have a, a profound can have a profound impact on your physical, um, emotional and mental health. I mean, even separating them actually frustrates me because it's the whole the whole thing is you know it's it's all yeah. all one thing. I am on my podcast. I just I had an episode that went out today where um, this really great integrative occupational therapist that I um, worked with in the past, she calls it whole enchilada living. And I love that. It's like this idea that it's the whole enchilada. It's that mind, body, spirit, soul that, again, we're integrating all of this. And I I really I I enjoy that term. But yeah, I mean, to your point with what you were saying about that epigenetic soup that we are creating internally, you know, I think Again, there's not a lot of emphasis on the importance and and the power that your thoughts have on your biology. And I give the example that when you are thinking about something that's potentially stressful, your body starts to prepare about for that. So thinking about, let's say, a deadline or a massive presentation that you have, that oftentimes you can watch your own body having a physiologic response despite no 
external cues, right? You're thinking about something that is going to happen and your body starts to respond in kind. So the presentation you have tomorrow is making your palms sweat today. It's raising the cortisol levels that are in your body beforehand. It's That's something that your mind is doing in the absence of external stimulus. And so another example I oftentimes use in guided imagery or in visualization work, we'll do different exercises in my coaching. And one thing that we oftentimes do is just a short exercise we can even do right now on the podcast is closing your eyes and imagining that you're standing in a kitchen with a lemon and you cut that lemon and imagine taking a wedge of the lemon and bringing it to your mouth and taking a bite. And imagine biting into the lemon. And can you feel yourself start to salivate more, your mouth start to pucker, right? Our body is having a physiologic response to an imaginary lemon. And I think that that's just a really (laughs) kind of silly but profound example of the impact that our thoughts have on our physiology immediately. So just I wanted to tag that because that's kind of a fun, fun example. It's a really fun example. And I was just closing my eyes and like going into and imagine that lemon and I was starting to salivate. And it's just, it is, it's such a, it's such a quick way to, to just bring attention to that mind body connection that is so immediate, as you say, and just so vitally important. Now you have just mentioned that you have launched your own podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? This is so exciting. Yeah, thank you. I'm, uh, I, it feels so great to have it finally out there. Um, you know, talking about mindset, I actually have no problem sharing this. I, I've been wanting to do this podcast for over a year. And I think just I had to have a mindset shift before I actually just put it out there. I was There was a lot of fear around I I speak very candidly on my podcast. It's more conversational style interviews um, with other integrative healthcare workers or people who are bringing integrative healthcare into their practices. And so, you know, in those conversations, sometimes, you know, vulnerable things come up. We're very honest. You know, sometimes I swear, like those things that bringing that to the table and to a larger audience was quite frightening. And now once it's out, right, there's been a mindset shift that I'm just so excited to have it out. And I don't know, anyone listening can probably relate to this idea of having this project that sits on the back burner for forever. And then you finally get it out and you're like, oh, it feels so nice to be finally doing that. Um, so yeah, so once you see it is a mental health podcast that focuses on looking at integrative healthcare in a balanced light. It started on the, from the basis that as a Western trained, um, nurse practitioner, I was constantly having conversations with patients and with clients, um, in my coaching practice that were really looking for providers of care, whether that be coaches, therapists, doctors, nurse, nurses, um, what have you who were open-minded in regards to looking at healthcare in that both-and model, that idea that Western healthcare is not the end-all, be-all, and neither are just one is one branch of complementary or alternative medicine. Really, what we want to do is we want to bring the wisdom that's been accumulated from all of that and be able to synthesize that and make the best recommendations for our patients. And when I had those conversations with patients and clients, a lot of them were like, I don't know any doctors or nurses or providers, or I, I like, I don't know any other providers who are really open to, you know, we talk about on my podcast, things like expanding altered states of consciousness. That includes things like plant medicine or psychedelics, or again, breath work, things that can 
induce these states. And when I would talk about, you know, for example, those things with clients, they're like, I don't know any other providers who are open to that. You know, I talked to my doctor about adding CBD to my regimen, and they told me that I shouldn't do that, even though it's legal and something, you know, things that we've seen medical benefit. And so I sat on that. And the more and more and more I heard from patients and clients that they were looking to be connected with more integrative providers, the more kind of I, I started to get this fire to say, let's start building a community of, of integrative providers and bringing them on the podcast and having these open dialogues and promoting their content and also just starting to have these discussions. I call them like behind the veil discussions where we're talking about how to show up better for our clients because we sort of feel like the model that we were trained in fell short in being able to give us integrative tools and so yeah, so that's really the podcast. It's in its first season. I had, again, an episode come out today that talks about mindfulness in our personal and professional lives. But, um, you know, different episodes touch on different topics related to mindset work, related to embodiment and that mind-body connection, burnout. Um, so all sorts of really interesting things we talk about over there. That's so exciting. And also just so exciting to hear people talk Um in a way that just feels so resonant to my own experience and also um, sort of speaks to wanting to integrate both like, you know, the Western approach with other approaches, you know, and it's, it's bringing, it's bringing it all together. So I love, I love hearing that there's people like you in the world and you're connecting with even more people who um, are feeling the same way. And I think that there is, does seem to be a movement at the moment, both in terms of what patients are hoping to receive and both from practitioners who are wanting to offer um, uh, more to their, to, to their patients. So um, it's really lovely to, to hear that and, and well done. And is there any, is there any other uh, projects that you have that you would like our listeners to know about today? Because I know, Charlotte, you work with clients on a one-to-one basis with your holistic healthcare um, practice. Do you have anything coming up that you would like us to know about? Yeah, definitely. So my current offerings, uh, apart from the podcast, so I do offer one-on-one corporate or group mind-body connection coaching. So again, coaching utilizes techniques like breath work, guided imagery, belief work, exploring elevated states of consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a whole menu of things that we choose from. And basically we use concepts that are drawn from neuroscience, from epigenetics, from traditional healing practices to again, do that assessment of where you're at now and where you'd like to go. In one-on-one coaching, that shows up as a very personalized, tailored plan. In corporate coaching, oftentimes what I've done is I've brought one skill or one set of skills to a group um, to help with productivity, help with burnout prevention. Um, I'm currently working with a group of social work uh, students who are, are practice, they're doing boards preparation. And so I partnered with a boards preparation company to provide supplementary mind-body um, coaching. So again, if you're feeling like you get a lot of test taking, anxiety, um, you know, things of that nature, that we can work together to help with belief work and mindset work ahead of your board exam so that you can walk in feeling kind of, again, that holistic care as, as you move forward. And then also I do group coaching. My main offering in group coaching are these mind-body skills groups that I briefly alluded to earlier. Um, so again, these groups have over 20 years of evidence supporting their use to do things like reduce stress, anxiety, 
They're oftentimes utilized in major hospital systems in the U.S. as ways to prevent burnout for clinicians, actually. So that was, I got trained through the VA hospital. Um, it was a funded training because we then brought these groups to employees at the VA to help reduce burnout and help improve job satisfaction. So again, the evidence for these groups spans everything from job satisfaction improvement to reducing stress and anxiety. They're eight-week group. I am currently recruiting for a group that's going to start sometime in probably early November. And these are small groups, um, no more than eight people max. I like to keep about six to eight. And they're really supportive. I've done a lot of group work um, in my own personal healing, as well as as a clinician facilitating groups. And I've got to be honest, these are my favorite to lead because they do, they foster such a connection and um, in every group I've ever led, the group has stayed um, together. We've done reunions. They've The new friends have been made. There's been a lot of like beautiful connecting. And I think that connection and community is something that every single toolbox that we discuss in coaching, it doesn't matter who you are, that community and connection, that is one of the main things that we want to put into that toolbox and foster because community and connection help reduce, um, you know, symptoms of depression, anxiety, burnout. There's a lot of research there. So really like the groups for that communal aspect. And then the other thing that I do, and again, there's some questions around the legality of this. So right now I do plant medicine integration coaching. So not working with people during plant medicine ceremonies, but working with before and after to do coaching around before doing plant medicine ceremonies or things of that nature, doing journaling, reflection work and coaching on what the intention is moving into that ceremony. And then afterwards, providing post-integration coaching to help unpack what you learned during your experience. And by kind of bolstering or, or kind of bookending your plant medicine ceremony with coaching, I think it's been, I've seen really positive outcomes. And it's something that that's recommended that we offer additional support around those types of ceremonies. So those are the four types of coaching I offer right now. And, you know, if you're interested in working together and None of those sound exactly what's up your alley. I'm also a super, you know, flexible and open to whatever. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now with my coaching. I love hearing all of that, Charlotte. And just for the listeners to know, I'll put all the details of Charlotte's website and her Instagram um, on the show notes so that you can get in touch with her um, really easily just through a little click. So I would fully recommend checking her out. And thank you so much, Charlotte, for your time, for your wisdom, for your hard work, getting to you to a point where you're now sharing this and supporting so many people in the practice that you are now building. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jude. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to see what Witchy Women is doing and Dr. Mind, Body, Soul. I think that the work you're doing is, you know, obviously very resonant, um, as we said, and I just am excited to see what happens next. So thank you. Thank you for listening, Body, Mind, Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.